So hope you feel better, Brad. Sorry that you got the plague. Uh, it's been nice to know you because I don't <laughs> think you'll be alive for very much longer. Okay. Goodbye. With a windy city wingers With a windy city wingers We're just three chests from Chicago Who will say with our chest That of all the sports, soccer is the best We're talking fire, the Red Stars, Premier League to boot with Brady, Dave, and Herman, you might learn a thing or two Cause we're the Windy City Hello everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and soccer from all across the globe. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined as always by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Boys, how we doing? I'm kind of meh today. Yeah, yeah you got You're the plague. You're well, interesting way to say that, one. And you two, either have the plague or you've been poisoned, <laughs> and it wasn't by me. Moving oh, along. Interesting. Uh, thank you to Ian, working behind the scenes, making us sound crisp and clean for all our listeners. Today is Thursday, June 24th, Friday Eve. And what does that mean for us? It means that I got to go to a Cubs game with Dave on Tuesday Ooh. and had a wonderful time. Thank you, Dave, again for the invite. For sure, for sure, for sure. And you also introduced me to the fact that Wrigley now has craft beer available, which was amazing because yeah. every time I've been to Wrigley in the past, it was like, it's awesome. It's Wrigley. You don't need to have anything. But it it seemed like, well, we have some Goose Island beer, but what we have is what we have. And you should enjoy Wrigley because it's Wrigley, not because of look at all our options. But we had fantastic beer all night long. Yeah, they really got with the times and uh, the fact that it's literally right underneath the season tickets that I have is perfect oh, placement. Nice. So I am super <laughs> excited about that. And what's really funny is um, I thought craft beer was a, like a big deal. And to be honest with you, it's the shortest line every single time we were there. Yeah, so like, that's great for me. Yeah. I don't eat a ton at, at games because I either eat before or directly after. So um, locked and loaded perfect seats this year. So yeah. You mean Excellent. you don't like to spend $12 on a hot dog? I mean, I'd rather spend the $12 on a beer than a hot dog, to be honest with you. So yeah. <laughs> as so as I could just go to Mariano's afterwards, buy eight hot dogs for like four bucks <laughs> and then just eat them all and pass or out. Or like so, an entire, yeah. entire rotisserie chicken. Or entire, yeah, that's completely <laughs> true. Entire Double rotisserie chicken, chicken with, a couple salads from the salad bar. Like, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be really good. Yeah, and for some bucks. instant mashed potatoes yes. eaten like college all over again. <laughs> Absolutely. And last night, Brady got to go to the fire game. And how was that? It was very fun. Uh, it was FC Cincinnati, so no one was there. Uh, <laughs> So I got a front row seat, front row, front row, like leaning over the front onto the field, field level. That's awesome. 
it was it was pretty great. That front row experience though, like it was it really cool. Like I know you can't see like the aerial like stuff, like and see everybody move as much, maybe, but was it just cool to be that close to the players? Absolutely. I I it's harder to analyze from there for sure, just because there's so much going on. But as far as game speed, like players are yeah. sprinting by you and mm-hmm. you can see the the different degrees of speed on the and I, I'll get into that in a little bit, uh, talking about the Cincinnati game. Yeah, I would think that player speed is fantastic at that level. The only sport I've been to front row like that is a baseball game. And but you get a feel for how incredible how quickly they need to move to make some of those infield plays. Mm-hmm. Chicago Fire news. Let's dive right in. Big news on the front. I'm happy about it. I think we're all happy about it. Dave? As happy as we can be. It's better than the last <laughs> one. Scramble the Jets, trolls. We got a new logo. Yeah. Logo time. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure when it was gonna, uh, released, but uh, it's, it's good to see it. It looks better than what we currently had. So let's kind of break it down really quick. So we had been talking about it over the past year, um, but the Florian cross, the letter C, the six pointed star and the city flag are what the fans decided were the most important aspects of the new logo. And this is what they were given to work with. Uh, Definitely agree with the C and the city's flag vibes. Um, They're definitely apparent in this uh, as far as color scheme goes, and then the fact that they incorporated the six-pointed star as well uh, made it really cool. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the Florian cross being really represented well, but it wasn't terrible either. It's it's there, but it's like you kind of have to tell somebody it's there. So right. yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. kind of a zoomed-in <laughs> circle. <laughs> it yeah. is. It is with the little accent marks here and there. But as I said earlier, it is a much better logo than what we currently have. It makes sense. And I feel like they don't actually have to describe what it is to make a fire or even a Chicago like resident know what it means. Like it's very Chicago. It hits it on the nose. Um, in the video, if you take a second to watch the introduction to the fire logo, it's all over the fire's YouTube. They make a comment about the grid system and how they made the C symmetrical because of the grid system. I thought it was just, it was so stupid. Like it it was just like, it's just, it was just like, why, like, what did this guy do (laughs) to make it? It was like more of like, after the fact they did the C, they made it symmetrical because, you know, he is a designer of a logo. Makes sense. (laughs) Um, You know, Obviously, it's symmetrical. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, something that we could add to the the thing when we were selling it to Chicago is the fact that it it does the grid system and it's all there. But like, maybe <laughs> I missed something. So <laughs> it's geometry, Dave. How could you no, not be fascinated? No, by no that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no freaking way. Because <laughs> it, it looks... <laughs> It looks symmetrical. Like it's more of like a no sh- statement. Like, yeah, it is symmetrical. Thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, as soon as not, they threw the lines up, you know that I'm excited. I'm seeing right angles. I'm seeing 45 degrees. I'm like, yeah, yes, no, I'm I in. saw it too, but it's just like <laughs> they put the graphic behind it because it was mathematically supposed to be symmetrical because he's a graphic <laughs> designer, not because he spent the time looking at the Chicago map and doing it. He's just like, you know, what would be really cool is if we put the Chicago map behind it and then sell it like, yeah, yeah. 
You're right. I would I, question, I'm calling him out. <laughs> I would question the graphic designer who throws out a totally asymmetrical C and just passes like, this is going to be our logo now. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, hey, this is... I've got a new <laughs> shape for you. It's a C, but it's like a rhombus. We're just going <laughs> to lean it a little bit. So, not everybody loves geometry as much as you is the lesson to take away from this, Brady. Uh. And I know that you get very excited at 45 degree angles and everything else, <laughs> but I personally struggled with geometry. So, but I like the new logo. I mm. like that you can look at it and you know it's Chicago. You cannot say that for the current logo. Right. Looks like a crown mm-hmm. of fire, which is yeah, kind which, of dope. But that I is don't. what they tried to call it. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. it was just too not. <laughs> drastic and did not involve the fans as far as the change. So I think. This definitely incorporates more of the fans' desires, uh, certainly my own. And I I love the color scheme. So I'm I'm totally in. I love it. Yeah. I and if I'm not mistaken, I think the rumor is the home kits will be red again in 2023. Like it's usually a two-year process in the MLS. So it's gonna take one more year, but at least I'll have the new logo. Um, so be patient. I'm looking forward to those red kits again. It's it's yeah. a natural color if your team is the fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like we should have a, have to explain that. But anyway, so happy news: new logo, new kits to come. Unfortunately, the bad news that we have to discuss Ew. is the performance in the games of the team. Yeah. So while they did listen to the fans in terms of new kits, new logo. Uh, we wish that they would listen to us when we just want a better performing team. As uh, first up, the Columbus Crew fire played them, lost two to zero. Uh, it was not a fun game to watch overall. It seemed pretty dominant by the Crew, who are a good team, but you never like to be dominated by your rivals. Uh, I, what I noticed was this was our typical slash expected lineup other than 04 started over Barrich, which I thought was interesting. But again, it's not the single pivot 4-3-3 that we played against Inter-Miami, which worked. And I don't know why we went back to the 4-2-3-1. Here we go. Yes. So in the first half, kind of a dominant start right away for the crew over the fire. Zardes puts the first goal of the game in in the 17th minute. And the phrase from the announcers was Chicago remains unconvincing on their clearances, which was definitely on display mm-hmm. here. The ball is in the box for way too long. Ofor heads it right to Zardes, who says thanks and puts it right in for the first goal of the game. Bad defense. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, the fire were under like huge pressure too at this point. And it, this was a sign for me that this this isn't the game where you have any chance of winning and it was only 17 minutes into the game. So it was not good. Um, I will say 04 is not a defender, but as like an offensive player dropping back, he just needs to clear it the heck out of there. Like he just has to all his might, like more than you think you have to, you have to push it out of the box, but there's just, there's just nothing that we could have done at this point. So when you play for my team, everybody's a defender. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's Wiki's team, Brady. It's Wiki's team. <laughs> oh, no. Not for long. Ooh. Oh. 
Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see. No, no. Um, and, and, and the crew were feeling themselves. Uh, Etienne, at 20 minutes, literally shoves a Chicago Fire player right in front of Wiki, who freaks out. I thought that was some BS. Uh, got mad just watching the highlights from this game. But it was definitely a, you don't get to shove me around like that. Now I shove you. Not a fan of that. Etienne was kind of being a little Zardes again in the 34th minute um, scores. Both Zardes and Etienne got in back of the defense a long pass. Uh, finds Etienne. He has an unselfish pass uh, over to Zardes who puts it in. Crew are up two now. Yes, that's a fantastic description. Um yeah, Fire's defense is trash, though. Uh, their line, I feel yeah. like, is very susceptible um, to being attacked often, and it just it just is a disaster. This is that combination of no pressure on the ball, so the passer has all the time in the mm-hmm. world to time with the runner, and and the runner has all the time in the world to make the right run. And then if you're a center back in this situation, it's just... There's no real winning except for make sure that your line is nice and straight, which wasn't even close. Who would think that when you give a professional soccer player unlimited time and no pressure that they can put a goal in? (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. Take a mental note of that one, fire defense. (laughs) This game was depressing. And we're kind of moving through it pretty quick because it just, there's not a lot of positive takeaways from the fire hate to lose to the crew, the team with no name. Um, not fun. (laughs) Yeah. I've got some numbers here that are just, uh, I don't know, sort of tell a story. The fire actually had 59% possession in this game, had 165 more completed passes and that's probably due to the game state. The fact that Columbus scored so early and then, you know, just allow the fire to have the ball. And my question is, why do the fire have so much of the ball if they're not really creating anything from it? Why even keep the ball in our own half and pass it back and forth? What's the goal? What are we trying to do as a team as we build up? And the fact that we don't really have answers for that, zero shots on target in this game, that's a major problem. Uh, Another problem is Zardes had 80% of his duels he won against two center backs against another midfielder coming back there. How does that happen? It's just, it. Uh, the answer is there's something systematically wrong there. Yeah. A lot to improve upon. And thankfully we had the opportunity to redeem ourselves, uh, get back on track against Cincinnati last night on Wednesday. Uh, that did not, happen though yeah it kind of wrote itself right this is the the time for the fire to you know catapult themselves up into some kind of relevancy but not really and i uh, just gotta say fire trash last last place in the league yeah. uh least amount of points worst goal differential least goals for yeah mm-hmm. and honestly i think we should have lost four nil um shuttleworth Oh, did a little bit of standing game. on his hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he just I don't know. He stood on his head, and those first twenty minutes saved us. Honestly, it was awesome. It was beautiful. Yeah, 
get that man a raise. He had a fantastic game, and but he's not even the guy, which is crazy. So I know. Like, goes if he's your best player, you have a problem. Yes. <laughs> and he was the best player for definitely the for for most of the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So first half. Brad, give us the breakdown. You were actually there, and I'm sorry that you had to go to a dud of a game, but what did you see <laughs> on the field? What were the formations? It was still really fun. Uh, they Good. matching four two three ones, which is interesting because Cincinnati will sometimes tinker with a back five as well. So they were not afraid, essentially. They were coming at the fire. They played in the fires half the first half. Um, weird choices by Wiki, I think, might have hmm. been... Some rotational things might have been some people in the doghouse, and he doesn't know who to replace anyone with. Uh, Kappelhoff started at the six next to Herbers, which is just weird and interesting. Espinoza, who's on the roster as a right back, played right mid, and he kind of looked like a defender trying to play midfield. The ball kind of wouldn't stick to him, and he won a couple of 50-50s, but it didn't really create very much from the right side. So, Action right away in this game uh, from Cincinnati's end. Shot by Brenner in the five-minute mark on the counterattack. Great pray, uh, great pass from Atenga. Brenner puts it in between defenders' legs, uh, but no goal. And a pretty savable shot here for Shuttleworth. At field level, you can really see the true speed of these athletes. And Pineda looks slow. He just, I don't know if it was this game in particular, or perhaps that is a skill set that he doesn't quite have, but he just got burned here very easily and has to recover and has to recover so hard that the pass back to the top of the box is wide open. And that's super dangerous every time. Basically, this first half just sort of looks like that for the rest of this game. Like since he outpossessed Chicago, And it wasn't really close. Like 50-50s were all Cincinnati. The Fire were missing easy pass opportunities to the same sideline. Like there was a guy standing 10 yards, 20 yards there on the sideline. And even if he doesn't have the space to turn and go forward, he can just touch it back to you and we can switch the field. But it's got to touch the sideline to make the team shift over. And instead, we were deciding to try long switches that weren't landing. And that's how you lose possession. That's how you lose the ball. That's how you also lose confidence in making connections. There were breaks straight through the center of the fire defense. And as we've been saying, Shuttleworth was our best player. And that's a problem. And there's a set piece in the, uh, in the first five minutes. And Jeff Cameron is wide open. Wide, wide open. It's like the the defense for the fire is not marking the person that you need to mark in this situation. You need to know what he does in set pieces. Mm -hmm. It was embarrassing to watch, frankly, uh, for parts of it. So I, you know, I'm glad you had fun at the game. It's not a fun team to watch right now. (laughs) It was a miracle. It was nil-nil going into the half. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's true. Uh, Yeah, a good point on the set pieces because defensively and offensively, they do not look very good. Mm -mm. Not at all. And in the second half, what we kind of saw happening finally came to fruition. Barreal 50 minute set piece goal puts a beautiful shot on the ball. Barrett ducks uh, beneath it. (laughs) And he just, 
it was just an amazing shot. Perfect. Gotta ball. save that face, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, dead ball goal here. Incredible shot, right, guys? That was just beautiful. Yeah. And Brady, yeah. we got to get your take on this goal because you were there. That was mm-hmm. crazy. I had a perfect angle when it left his foot. I said, oh, that's going to be a problem because mm-hmm. it was whipping around so much bend. Like this was one of the most bend I've seen live in a game. Like that was that thing whipped. Uh, Barrett did duck. You are right. I'm not sure he really <laughs> was close to it, but just the <laughs> the optics of that scary. And we'll go back to it. But he he's snake bit right now, and that's not a good look. Also on the defensive side to be shrugging that away. Uh, I think Shuttleworth maybe could have done better, but he's going to see this so late. I just really couldn't do much about it. Yeah. So as far as this the Shuttleworth went, I agree ish. I don't know. I was watching the replay. Like I was watching from my home live and I just felt like when he was pushing the ball away, he could have might maybe made a better decision where maybe he could have just put his arm up and try and just stop it or push it upwards. Like you just kind of like try to bang it out. But at the same time, like the speed of it was just insane. Um, and what sucks too about it though is that like obviously he was in pain afterwards. Like he definitely threw his body on the line. So I shouldn't be this critical about his decision making there just to kind of push it out real quick and punch it. But he definitely ends up landing in the net and uh, banging his body against the pole and then the bottom pole that keeps the goal up mm-hmm. with the weight. So it was rough. I don't know. It's hard to be tough on him because he's our best player, but there's a, a part of me that was just like, I don't know. Can you have done something else? Like just kind of just put your arms up and make sure it doesn't go out rather than punching it. But it's a split second decision. It's hard. Um, and it was a beautiful shot. It, it was a crazy shot. The bend on that was phenomenal. So definitely I guess I yeah. shouldn't be that harsh. <laughs> Shuttleworth was tired from carrying the team on his back the whole game. That is a fair <laughs> cop up. That's good. That's, That's good. Fair. Yes, yes. But yeah, it definitely added the injury to the insult there. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It was tough. Just want to say, uh, Arlo, you're our only hope. Arlo White. Uh, uh, honestly, uh, he's the only thing that's good for us right now. But I, at this point, I would probably try and opt out of my contract with the fire. <laughs> so. <laughs> So hopefully they could promise him something to stay for a bit because it's been a pleasure listening to him for the last couple of games. I know one thing that might get him to stay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Little cash, little cash, cash. No weed. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> or Lori Lightfoot guilt tripping him like she did to the Bears. So. <laughs> you just got here. You didn't give <laughs> Chicago a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Solid reference. Yeah, so our best opportunities came after we got scored on. Why? Other than we're just kind of going pedal to the metal and not really caring about what's behind us, but that's still a problem. And we had 19 shots. It's not bad. Eight of them were blocked. It's not great. And two of those were on target. And Barrich looks bad. He just, he had opportunities here. He had moments where maybe just one time it in the back of the net instead of trying to settle it oddly with no one in goal to stop you. Just, he looks very low on confidence, very pissed all the time. It's, it's not good. I'm going to have a Dave honest moment here. I had predicted (laughs) him to be the top goal scorer this year. Uh, That's uh, true. 
feels very good right now. <laughs> Self-check. The comeback. Yep. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> it's not only that Barrich looks bad, though. They're in the 63rd moment. I feel like the whole season is summed up in this moment where the fire have three or four shots in a row where it just bounces from player, shoot, no good. Bounces to another fire player, shoot, no good. Shot, no good. Shot, no good. It's like... Uh, just someone put it in the goal, please. And I, I don't know you. So you were there, Brad. How was the energy? Like, I want pregame were people hopeful or were people like, here we go to watch the fire probably lose again. And then, I mean, like uh, the players on the field, as well as the fans, uh, is there still hope or if people just kind of given up? That's a great question. Before the game started, I was in kind of a FC Cincinnati heavy sort of section. There were a few Mm -hmm. around us. And I think I even sat next to a family of one of the players on the bench, which was interesting. They kind of called them as they walked by to go warm up. And I, oh, do you know them? (laughs) Interesting. Um, So I would say the atmosphere was a little dead just because there weren't that many people in there. But a surprising amount Mm -hmm. of sound for the lack of fans. And it did seem hopeful. I did notice that the Cincinnati fans were very hopeful and that kind of bothered me because they shouldn't be as, as far as walking into someone else's stadium and the record Mm. they have currently, they had quite a bit of confidence as the game went on. um, A little dead and the fire never looked like it was going to get any better. And then in the 85th minute, Wiki out, wiki out, wiki Mm, out, started from the supporters section. And that doesn't really happen. That's typically like a a side thing. That's typically someone else in the main supporters section will stay positive. And the players had to come over after the game while they're doing their thank yous and whatnot. And they came, including Calvo, was like, you got to stop. Like, you can't keep chanting that. (sighs) And as a fan, I'm sitting there thinking... What else do you want them to chant? This is kind yeah, of an issue. Yeah. And I yeah. like Wiki. He's very cute. And I <laughs> liked his Man. positivity and the way that he had the team attacking months ago. But now the whole team seems sort of lost. Uh, I have a couple of comments on this. Um, I was bobbing my head and kind of chanting it to myself from my couch. <laughs> Like when they're sing- singing Wiki out. And then I guess the only appropriate response when Calvo would have put his finger up would have been like, Calvo out, Calvo <laughs> out, Calvo <laughs> out. Like if I was oh, there, I would have just started that chant too. So I kind of wish I was there now, like in the fan supporters. So. <laughs> like, I mean, I he's joined- part of the reason like why Wiki's yep. in trouble. So yeah. I, w- I would have joined you in that chant. I-, I wouldn't respect him. Yeah. Yeah. So not, Okay. Good to know. That's what the fans are. Uh, that's where the fans are at. It's not going to be. It's probably not happy in the front offices uh, of the mm-hmm. Chicago Fire right now. A lot of pressure. A lot of unhappy people. Let's hope they can turn it around in the future. Moving on, Chicago Red Stars have a couple games to cover here. First up, Washington Spirit. We managed to get a draw there. One one. Brad, I know you have the breakdown for this one. Let's dive in. 
Yes. The Red Stars probably should have won this one is my mm. overall take. Had 17 shots to Washington seven. A little bit wasteful. I think Kelia Watt had a couple opportunities, especially early, just to put this game away. And the Spirit did have more possession, but the Red Stars were by far the more dangerous of the teams. Dave, did you see who scored the goal for Washington? Oh, are you talking about Kim Jong-un's godchild? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Indeed, Trinity Rodman in the 85th minute. After a smoke show here by Andy Sullivan past Katie Johnson with kind of some optional defending there. And again, this is no pressure on the ball and it's a center back's worst nightmare. So there's a defender with plenty of time and plenty of skill to find an on-running Trinity Rodman. Beautiful settle from her off the chest and a nice composed nutmeg of a finish. Yeah, I honestly don't know if the trap or the goal is more impressive because honestly, I think her eyes were blocked like when the defender jumped for that ball too and the fact that she still landed it right on her chest put it to the floor and scored that might have been more impressive than the nutmeg there too so it was it was awesome yep great goal pretty good goal uh morgan gotro does save our bacon in the end uh there was a defender with sort of a flailing arm and de- like trapped the ball with her arm in the box it's never advisable uh, so Morgan Gotro picked the bottom left corner. Nice finish. And it's a 1-1 tie when Red Stars probably should have come away with the win. But uh, that's okay. And next up, we have the Red Stars versus Olympic Rain. They ended up with a loss there 2-0. to zero. Brad, I know once again, you have the breakdown here. What happened here? Sure. I just want to touch on the OL is in reference to their parent club, Olympic Lyon. So this is, it's similar to how NYCFC, their parent club is Man City. It's a similar situation here for the NWSL. So I want to touch on that. Cool. Uh, So the Reign are a very top-heavy team. Not many teams can start Jennifer Marjan, a German attacking star, Sofia Huerta, and then bring on Eugenie Le Sommer for her NWSL debut. And then Megan Rapino, like that's crazy attacking talent. So the fact that we conceded so early was the problem. You have to take it to this team and force their attackers to defend because if they're free to attack, they're they're good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in the very first minute of this game, the very first Red Stars give up a goal. Uh, they don't deal well with the long high ball. They win the first one, but there's no midfield there to win the second one. And now the rain are just bearing down on your defense. Uh, it was a good cr- uh, ground cross by Huerta. And there's like a half clearance from the Red Stars. And Shirley Cruz just hits a really nice volley hard uh, right into the back of the net. Nair gets a hand to it, but it was just hit too well. Shortly after that, in the 18th minute, the Red Stars give up another goal and go down by two. Yep. And this is another good goal by the rain. Sofia Huerta is again free on the right side and she puts this big looping high cross and it gives plenty of time for her attacker, Bethany Balser, to get under it. Nice running header. It's really hard for a defender who's already under the ball to win that one because the attacker has all the momentum. So good ball by Huerta. Questionable defending by the Red Stars, but it just they were getting beaten down by a better team in this game. After that, it's pretty much 63% possession for the rain, 
513 passes to the Red Stars, 305. It's it's too comfortable because they got that two-goal lead so early. You need to pin this team in early. Otherwise, their attacking talent's just too good to deal with. Uh, I'll bet the rain end up near the top of the league by the end of the season. Mm. They're very, very good. Want to do an honorable mention to Alyssa Mounts, Nikki Stanton, Bianca St. George, all returning in some capacity to the lineup, either fully starting or simply seeing minutes. A couple of them had knee surgery. Uh, one of them played overseas. So we're seeing the roster being fully used. It's great to see, and it's only going to be good for us in the long run. And speaking of the long run, hoping to see some better play from the Red Stars in the future. Coming up, we have them against Racing Louisville, Saturday, June 26th at 1 p.m. Make sure you tune in for that one. And this should be a Red Stars win. The Red Stars are currently in a playoff spot and their performances are good. I feel pretty confident about them. So let's hope that the Red Stars keep up this good run of form uh, despite these recent results. Also, quick shout out to Tierna Davidson, Julie Ertz, and Alyssa Nair on their Olympic roster spots. Excited to see them on the team and they're amazing players. I'm really excited to watch the U.S. Olympic team. It will be great. And then Casey Kruger was named also as an alternate she can play just about anywhere, so she's a great alternate to have to replace whoever that goes down, unfortunately. Yeah, I can't yes. wait to cover that. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Super hyped. Can't wait Absolutely. for July. And congratulations to the ladies that made the team. Love it. All right. The moment. I would say that we've all been waiting for, but really, is this is about, is this is really about me. Well, this is about me, Dave. This is the moment I've been waiting for since the last episode Mm -hmm. when we talked about the Euros and I didn't know what they were and I had to ask what they were. Mm -hmm. Dave is going to lay out Dave's five facts about Euros, about the Euros, excuse me, and break it down for me. I'm a soccer noob. I need to know. Yeah. Dave, bring it. So, yeah, Euros are a European-focused tournament. Um, The nations within the federation there are able to qualify for it. Um, The first tournament was in 1960. Uh, There were seven teams that were entered, and in the final, there were four participants. France hosted the tournament, um, and in that inaugural year, Soviet Union beat Yugoslavia 2-1, to and... Uh, the third place masters between France and Czechoslovakia football powerhouse. Yes. Yes. They all were, which is, it's, it's fun to like, if you take a second step, take a step back and look at the history of the tournament, like some of the powerhouses necessarily aren't there anymore. And, or they go by a different name. Like you have West Germany, who is a huge powerhouse, but obviously now they identify as Germany themselves. But so you could question like, does Germany have three titles or is it just Western <laughs> Germany has two and Germany has one? So we can, we can talk about that later. I'll get into that later. So it's fun. Um, that's a fantastic point out, Brady. Uh, tournament expansion facts. I just wanted to point this out. So it started off with four. Um, and in 1980, it went to eight. In 1996, it expanded to 16. And actually, it didn't happen to the current format until uh, 2016, which is the the round prior to this year's round. Um, hmm. And what was interesting is that there were some pretty big teams that uh, did did not uh, care for the expansion, which included England. 
which was kind of mm-hmm. interesting to me. So uh, maybe they were worried that they wouldn't qualify even more so, but you know, they're in the knockout <laughs> round this year. So <laughs> like who cares, right? <laughs> yeah. So basically what I just wanted to say is the current format with 24 teams is super new. Like it's super fresh. Um, a, even a format with 16 teams would have been entertaining, but I'm glad that mm-hmm. there's eight more teams. That's, that's super fun. As far as team records go, Germany and Spain are tied for the most tournament wins with three piece. Uh, Germany themselves have won one and West Germany have won two. So if you really want to get crazy there and split hairs, you could say that they are, they only have one win versus three, but I think most people consider it to be all inclusive there. Um, as far as personal records go, uh, and I'm going to focus on goal scoring, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo owns the record for most goals scored in a final stage as well as um, the most goals with the final stage plus the qualifying stage. Um, and this is a collective basis over his entire career. Uh, so in the finals, he scored 14. And in the finals plus qualifying, he scored 45. Yeah, Incredible. it's 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 an amazing goal. But I just want to say uh, for a single finals tournament record, he does not own the title. That record is owned by Michelle Platini, who uh, in the 1984 tournament scored, I believe it was nine goals for France. So um, it was just, it was super cool fact because despite um, the fantastic performance by Ronaldo, um, there's still some records that he hasn't caught up to. And I think that's a testament yeah. to the game now. Like the defense and the quality is just so high now. You, you there's nobody in the tournament that's going to get smoked anymore. And that's going to mm-hmm. bring me into the, my next fact, real quick. If nobody else wants to say anything, so. <laughs> so my next fact is the biggest margin of victory in the finals has been five goals, and this dates back to the the dawn of the tournament. That um, it's only happened five times that the margin of victory has been five goals. And one of them is actually this tournament that we're currently watching right now, which is Spain versus Slovakia. Uh, just another fact similar to that, as far as margins of victory go, the largest deficit overcome in the game has been two goals. Like, so like, so they've been down two goals and they've overcome it to win. Uh, and it's only actually happened six times in the history of the tournament. So it's just anytime you're you hear something like if you even if you're not watching the full game and you hear like oh we're in the middle of a comeback and they happen to mention the margins like a couple goals and it's, you know tied up at this point it might be worth watching it might be a moment in history like you should definitely tune in if somebody's coming back and rearing in in you know the last ten minutes like it's must watch must watch soccer so. That's all I wanted to say real quick. It's a really light intro to the Euros. Like we could definitely go in more depth in the future for the next round of the tournament. But I I think this is a good start and you should get you excited if you're a history buff. Nice. We should do a deeper dive into Michelle Platini. Yes. His story is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had read a bunch about it. And there's also um, the founder of the tournament as well. He's from France. I am struggling to remember his name, but he's also got a fantastic history as well. So I'm thinking, you know, a few years down the road, we could definitely go into the depth of him and Michelle Platini. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. Very cool. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave, for the deep dive. I appreciate it. Knowing more fun facts about the Euros. Moving forward, this past week, our game of the week that we chose was Portugal versus Germany. Yeah, I thought it was the Jota game, the own goal game. <laughs> no, but to be honest with you, it was the Gosens game. So I'm just trolling yep. right now. It really <laughs> was. It really was. Germany came away with the victory here. Four to two. Again, that was against Portugal. And right away in the first half, action all over the place. Yeah, and the fifth minute, right off the bat, disallowed goal for Germany due to offside. So that was kind of a bummer. A little bit of buzz kill, but we'll keep on running because 10 minutes later, Ronaldo, a name we yes. all know, puts away Ronaldo. the first goal for Portugal. <laughs> Things are looking good, man. Everyone's pumped for Portugal. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bernard, Bernardo Silva was in transition, picks out Jota. Uh, Jota was making a run on the, the far side, which at this time was the left post. And he just made a perfect time with the back line. So he's on sides. Uh, Jota just makes a simple control of the ball. There's a simple bounce pass to Ronaldo, who's wide open in the middle of the box. And I just got to say, way to not do it from the spot, Ronaldo. That's been your story of the tournament. So good job. <laughs> Rude. Uh, the pass by Silva is ridiculous. That it just a dime, perfect. Diogo Jota is too good uh, to be left with that much space. And then Ronaldo is too smart. He was just wide open there. I will say this came off of a corner kick for Germany, which is just interesting to see them countered in this way. They typically aren't uh, liable to be countered like yeah. that. They must have thought mm. they were really going to score, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I just want to say uh, later in this uh, half, uh, Diaz kind of jumped in front of Ronaldo. Uh, for an attempted header. I just wanted to laugh about that because he just was super desperate for a goal here. Almost. Like, I was like, don't get in front of Ronaldo there. Like, <laughs> no, you leave him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of plays out here. So let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Diaz gets pegged with uh, an own goal at 35. Uh, goes and tries to pass it to Havertz and Diaz is draped all over him. Accidentally flicks it into his own goal. And that, takes the game to a tie 1-1. Yeah, I did set up set it up harshly to a DS here because it was a bang-bang <laughs> play. Absolutely, for sure. Um, Havertz was all over DS here. Like, if if DS wasn't in his face, Havertz would have put this in. So, the fact that it bounces off DS here, they say it's an own goal, but really, like, it was just kind of like the math there. Like, somebody's going to put it in because Gosen's pass was so... It was sweet. It was a one-time pass. Like it was beautiful. Now say it was Timo Werner in there. Maybe he doesn't put that in. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's why he's not there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Timo Werner. Timo Werner. <laughs> um, so I just want to say uh it started with Muller, uh passes out to Kimmich or Kimmich on the right. Um, and Kimmich makes an amazing pass to Gelson's on the Complete opposite wing with a beautiful switch. And uh, Golson's one-time pass was just an absolute banger. So I, I just, I don't know. It was such a German move. It was it was sweet. It was great to see that ball movement. Fantastic team pass. Fantastic game to watch. So 
Yes, and this was truly the beginning of the end for Portugal here. Uh, Germany had found the weak spot, and they were going to keep drilling it. Uh, Portugal played a 4-2-3-1 with Carvalho sitting next to Danilo in the center mid. And Nelson Semedo and Guerrero are the wide backs, neither of which are really defenders. And this is Mm -hmm. kind of atypical of Portugal, and they typically play with one pivot in the midfield, and then they sit back pretty far and then counter. They like let a team come to them. And instead, this game, it seemed like they wanted to go at Germany, which wasn't smart because they were playing a 3-4-3 or whatever combination of a three-back you want to call it. And that left Kimmich and any time that Muller pulled into one of those channels, Guerrero had nothing, no response to it. And Kimmich is too good to have that kind of space. Gosens is too smart and makes the runs at exactly the right time. And they just hit this spot repeatedly. And if Kimmich has this kind of time, he can hit this diagonal all day. And he does. Yep. Four minutes later, another own goal for Portugal. Rafael Guerrero found himself in an unfortunate position after a series of very unfortunate events. Sick Lemony Snicket reference, bro. Thank you, Other Herman. <laughs> wow. The self-compliment. That was sick. That was sick. <laughs> uh, yeah, Germany's passing was fantastic here. And I almost felt it had circusy vibes, but it was controlled circus. Like, they were the masters. They were the ringleaders there. It, it, they were there. They were locked in. Um. So it, I would say it's best to watch it rather than getting it broken down uh, over the podcast. But I was just going to say, go since the Mueller to Havertz to Kimmich and then off Guerrero. So it just, it, it was just, it was so fast and it was beautiful at the same time. So uh, I would just say uh, it was much deserved. Um, that was the second old goal that uh, Germany created in four minutes and uh you just have, it has to be a testament to their ball movement. So, yeah. Diman Schaft. Uh, both are examples of great passes more than they are of poor defending. When you, as a passer, hit it behind a defender who's now facing their own goal, there's not a lot good that can happen for that defender, and a lot of good things can happen for the attacker. So, it's all intentional and very well executed by the German team. In the second half, Germany gets right back to it. Havertz in the 51st minute puts in yet another goal. Yeah. Muller um, finds Golson's again on the left wing. Uh, this time he's absolutely wide open due to a perfectly timed run. Uh, Golson's whips the ball into the Havertz and Havertz just kind of taps it in. Like it was a beautiful, like leaping motion and simple goal. 3 1 Germany. And nine minutes later, 60th minute, Gozens. You've been hearing his name all day long along with Havertz. This is becoming a statement game for Germany as they go up four to one. Yeah. So I feel like uh, Kimmich is actually kind of the guy you hear a ton as far as assists go. It was just cool to see him kind of like liven up later in the game and then reward Golsons with uh, a simple header because he was the big name in this game and it made it four to one. So it's cool. It is good that we're saying Kimmich as much as we are because he is a lot of the, the good things that come from Germany right now. This chip slash cross is so perfectly weighted. It's a fantastic skill. I can't really explain how hard this is to do because it's both a chip that pops straight up in the air, but also bends which I just, the physics of that are pretty insane. I 
Yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> and in the 67th minute, Jota puts one in for Portugal. Awesome play by Ronaldo to keep the ball in play. Bad defense from Germany. I think they were tired from kicking all day long. Uh, <laughs> Portugal wasn't done yet, uh, but they were because this was the last goal of the game. Ended up losing to Germany. Yeah, I just, it was cool to see Ronaldo return the favor for the assist earlier. Uh, like, even though it was simple from Jota earlier, he put his ass on the line there um, and chips it over the keeper and uh, gets Jota a goal too. So I was happy as a Liverpool fan there. So it was fun. One assist, one goal for Jota. One assist, one goal for Ronaldo. So it's cool. Aftermath, Dave. What did you take away from this game? It was a ton of fun. I love to see the high-scoring games, yeah. especially on a stage like this. But what did you take away from this game? Yeah, it was just some, uh, maybe not the on-paper uh, outcome there. So a group of death is going to group of death. You can't sleep on Germany, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like and that's kind of I think the narrative that we everybody's going in with though. Like obviously Germany has got some world-class talent. They brought some of their older players back in, even though. They kind of blew them off for a while. I think they're a threat and they've gotten to where they want to go now. So like we're going to go into a little bit later, like actually just right now, but uh, this was a big stepping stone um, to get them to where they want to be, which is like the one-off games. So it's big. Excellent. Love it. More Euro 2020 action. Got a lot of games coming at you. Dave, I know you're particularly excited about one of these. Actually, uh, two of them. Um, so Ooh. the final Ooh. day of the tournament um, with the last two groups, uh, Hungary and Poland put on a show. Or I should say the Lewandowskis put on a show. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know, uh, Lewandowski scored two goals uh, for Poland on the last day. Unfortunately, Sweden ended up putting it away because I think they were committing too many uh, numbers up. Uh, to the attacking side for Poland. So they were kind of vulnerable and it is what it is. They're out of the tournament. And also Hungary uh, was up 1-0, I think, going into the half against Germany. Germany tied it up and then Hungary took the lead again until the very depths of the game there. So Brady, <laughs> how you feeling? Well, Germany is trying to give me ulcers, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to shout out Frankowski. Got himself an assist on one of those Leva goals. Yeah, he was present. I saw him uh, flash on the TV while I was watching that game, too. So mm -hmm. that was kind of cool as a Fire fan. Hey, maybe that's why we've been getting our butts kicked the last two games. There but probably not. So <laughs> There might be a little more to it, but... Yeah, no, I think there's a lot more to it. I'm just trying to fish <laughs> for something to give everybody hope. So I tried. Oh, I just want to ask. Yeah, real quick. Did, were there any surprises for you, Brady, like for the round of 16? Probably mm -hmm. Germany trying to give me ulcers. Uh, <laughs> no, I thought Turkey actually would put up more of a fight in Group A. And maybe Czech Republic instead of Scotland, I thought was kind of interesting. But not really. Czech Republic actually is secretly a pretty good team. And the Netherlands can't sleep on them in the next round. So they'll need to be careful, See which brings us to... Well, I just before we go into that though, too, like the next round, like I feel like Netherlands having been out of it for a while will not be sleepy. So no, I think I they're they're they've have a new thirst to it. So I feel like if anybody's gonna sleep, it's gonna be somebody else. So 
But yeah, no, I understand the mentality around that. But I feel like I'd be surprised if they get stunned in that game. So, all right, taking a step away from current seasons of soccer that are happening right now, going to the EPL, Tottenham. Brad, what's going on with the Hotspurs? Apparently, Hugo Loris is currently training with Mayweather's gym, Floyd Mayweather's gym. Uh, if you watch the France v. Portugal game, there was a nice solid okay. punch to the jaw there. I'm just <laughs> kidding, by the way. He's not training for boxing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All Great right. News. And Dave, Liverpool, lots of news coming out of Liverpool. All of it is worth our attention, right? I would say don't listen to anything no, because <laughs> it's, it's all a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. It is just a bunch of random articles based on the Euro group stage and like, oh, well, Liverpool is going to obviously want to sign this person who we've never been talking about for the last year. So um, <laughs> there's rumors that Mbappe is asked for a transfer, but, you know, like he could go wherever the hell he wants. So why would he go to Liverpool? necessarily but we'll see <laughs> he likes uh Klopp but you know like I'm not excited about anything I think the best thing is to ignore the noise on any of your individual team apps like I'm not just speaking as a Liverpool fan here I'm speaking as just a soccer fan in general any club you follow I would just tune it out until the Euros are done because most people will not be negotiating until it's wrapped up so smart just Dave. wait and just enjoy the tournament so Smart. Excellent. Taking it back to the USA, back to the homeland. USA Watch. The U.S. women's national team Olympic roster has been finalized. Let's break it down. Anything that surprises you, Dave? I don't know. Not for me. Like I was super hyped to see uh, Carly Lloyd still in at it at that age, and I'm sure she's going to destroy. But I just Brady. If there was any shockers here, so hmm. not really. I think Kelly O'Hara. Shout out to her for being on this Olympic team. She's so fit. Like that is crazy at her age to be still an out and out right back, and we can trust her in just about any situation. Uh, I'm also really interested in the Mewis sisters, Sam and Christy, yeah. who are, they play a similar position, but play it totally differently. So that's yeah. going to be fun to watch. And maybe they'll get yeah. on the field at the same time, which is fun. Super cool Mewis to passes see. to Mewis. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, no major surprises. I think this team has every right to get it done. Who would you say is the best player? on the U.S. women's Olympic team? Who stands out? Uh, so I have very specific... <laughs> you guys know me. I'm weird. So mm -hmm. Crystal Dunn, you could put anywhere on the field and she will basically dominate that spot. She can play defense. <laughs> defense. She can play in the midfield, sort of. She'd be like an aggressive ball winner type or she can play winger. So just as far as flexibility and you can put her anywhere, she can, Crystal Dunn's amazing. Julie Ertz is the best player in the world, so no more further comment. Lindsey Horan <laughs> is one nice. of my favorite center midfielders uh, in, on the, in the pool. I just think she's super composed and can do things with a soccer ball that I couldn't imagine. Rose Lavelle, Rose Lavelle is amazing. Tobin Heath could joke a Benito. Anyone? I think they're all very good. <laughs> 
That would explain no, why why sucks. they're on the Olympic team. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. The Gold Cup starts July 10th. U.S. men's national team first game is July 11th per the schedule on the CONCACAF website. So make sure you tune in to watch the U.S. men's team. And we're already excited about the women's Olympic team for the U.S. as well. Loving it. We'll keep it in America for now. We're doing Dave's five facts for Copa America. Did the Euros earlier? promised. Bringing it back (laughs) to America for Copa America. Although this is for South America. It's still in America. We still love it. Mm -hmm. Yes. This was super cool too because I I got into soccer like on the European side, but this was a fun thing to kind of look into too to see what the uh, South American equivalent is. Uh, so the first tournament was held in uh, 1916 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, this tournament was actually round robin only. There was no playoffs. It was held between Uruguay, Argentina, Brazil, and Chile. Uruguay won this tournament with five points, just one point ahead of Argentina. Instead of three points being given for a win at this time, there was two. And there was one point for a draw. Mm. Uh, and obviously nothing for a win, uh, loss. Um, Interesting. The final match ended up being Uruguay versus Argentina, which were the two that were ahead at head at that time. And unfortunately, it ended in a nil-nil draw. So oh. it defaulted <laughs> Uruguay for the win there. But Argentina hmm. had the chance to at least uh, tie things up and make it interesting. So um, I just wanted to point out like a different aspect of this, curna- this tournament that I think is super cool is uh, Conmebol. Nations only have uh, 10 teams. So they typically end up inviting two extra teams uh, outside of the federation to join them. Um, many times it's the United States and Mexico. Uh, they have been uh, participants participants frequently. And, and, and normally they are at least from CONCACAF, uh, although there are some exceptions. Um, so the U.S. was last invited in 2016, and they actually finished fourth. It was a very exciting <laughs> tournament. Like um, I was super hyped up for that, and that was for the 100th year anniversary. And I think it was actually hosted in America, which is super, super weird. And I feel like it was super wrong at the same time. And uh, Copa America at Centenario. So that's how you say it. <laughs> um, uh, I also wanted to point out while we're talking about these facts that Mexico has actually placed with silverware before, and they've also like gotten bronze medals. So they have gotten medals over five times before, which is super cool, which is nice to have somebody from our region represent. Uh, due to COVID postponing um, their respective 2022 qualifying campaigns, um, the 2021 invitees uh, that were there originally, which is Australia and Qatar, uh, ended up withdrawing for the campaign. So the tournament decided to reduce it down to 10 teams instead of 12. And that's why you'll see the format, which is kind of weird. And I'll mention a little bit later. Uh, tournament medal count right now, gold. Uh, Uruguay has 15. Argentina has 14. Brazil has 9. Uh, overall medal count, uh, Regardless of what kind of metal it is, Argentina has 33, Uruguay has 30, and Brazil has 27. 
And that reflects more if you look at the overall point standings from the beginning of the time. But like, that's not something most people look at. But I thought it was just fascinating to look at it mm-hmm. um, just to see who has the most points and who has the most wins. Um, most goal, goal scored collectively over the finals is a tie between Noberto Mendez, uh, who played for Argentina from 1945 to 1956, and Zizino, uh, who, uh, whose real name is Thomas Sores. De, De Silva, uh, who also played in the earlier 40s from 1942 to 1957 for Brazil. They are tied at 17 goals apiece. And I just have to ask Brady, like, you're the soccer wizard. Do you know either of these guys or are we just kind of. Nope. <laughs> that's a little ourselves. before my time. Just a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't recognize either name. So I didn't think uh, maybe they'd be super renowned, but, uh, you know. If we're told that we're wrong, though, we can go talk about them in a future day and research them. So that'd be fun. Uh, And just so um, you have a little perspective there, Messi only has 10 in the final rounds, like collectively. So he's way behind um, and he's considered maybe the best player in the world. Uh, Chile, and this is my like final fact, just because I thought it was kind of obscure and cool and I could relate to it. Uh, Chile are more or less the Cubs of the Copa America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were part of the founding tournament in uh, 1916, but they never won it until 2015, which is 90 years, obviously 99 years after they first joined the tournament. And what was cool is they actually won back to back and they won... Um, the 100 year anniversary as well. So it was just really neat to see that. Uh, that had to be super fun to celebrate. So, yeah. Very nice. Thanks, Dave. Excellent. Thank you ten, again, Dave. 10 yes. facts with Dave today. 10 facts coming ten. from Dave. I'm, done. I'm retired. <laughs> That's good. Yes. And speaking of Copa America, what are the latest happenings in Copa America? Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick update on the um, uh, the groups. So there's two groups right right now. Each have five in them. Uh, Argentina and Brazil lead their respective groups. Um, and obviously, because it's been reduced down to 10 teams, only one team's going to get eliminated from each group. So while there's a big pool of teams, like it's really not going to get dwindled down too much. So the round of eight actually starts uh, July 2nd. So there's no need to be too scared unless you're uh, in the bottom two right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Dave. Tons of information. Greatly appreciate it. Getting me up to speed on what's happening and what has happened in Copa America. Looking forward. Preview for this coming weekend. Game of the week. Belgium versus Portugal. Let's go, baby. Sunday, June 27th at 2 p.m. Predictions, boys? Dave, who's winning? What's the score? Yeah, I don't know. My heart tells me Belgium because I love the squad, but my mind's thinking Portugal's been there they've been deeper in a tournament um so i don't know i'm gonna go with my heart though i'm gonna do three to two belgium i'm glad you went with your heart there dave this one is tough because this is supposedly belgium's golden generation 
and yet they haven't really done very much with it. So let's go with two nothing Portugal. Ooh, sick. Spicy. Picante. You don't think Belgium's going to score. You don't think Kevin De Bruyne is going to put a nice ball in there for Lukaku. KDB. And put at least one in. Bro. Your last chance to change your mind before we make it official, Brady. Two nothing. KDB is going to have an amazing <sighs> game. And Lukaku oh. is going to miss a sitter <laughs> or two. All right. I don't have any numbers backing that. <laughs> Your fate is in the hand of the gods now. Uh, Indeed. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> what happened, uh, Dave? <laughs> what is happening? Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried to go to men. <laughs> All right. All right. I like it. <laughs> something. Something happened, Dave. You. You glitched out. You glitched out hard on that. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> that was crazy. That was wild. Yeah. What the hell just happened? Wow. It took your, when you started shouting, it sounded like you shouted, oh man, it took it and like each second was like five seconds long. Yeah, that was crazy. All right, refocusing here. Also coming up this Saturday is the Fire versus Philadelphia Union on Saturday, June 26th at 7 p.m. If you have the willpower to sit down for that game and watch it, please do. There's something that Vegas knows that we don't. The money line Uh-oh. is totally even as this game <gasps> is concerned. So very interesting. Very uh, stupid. Is this a winnable game for the no. union, Brad? It, oh, it, if you hadn't union, seen yes. that line, would you be thinking this is winnable? Or They pretty well handled us the first time. So I don't huh. know how. I mean, I want to be optimistic and say, yeah, we've got a chance. There's always a chance. Yeah, always a chance. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that I was surprised. Let's put it that way. I was surprised when I <laughs> saw it dead even. There's not right. a chance in hell we're going to win this game. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's all. Nice. <sighs> Excellent. <laughs> Boys, do we have any closing thoughts? I have one, but I'll save it until the end to add suspense. Uh, my latest article is on the SKC versus LAFC game. Hey. So it's a little bit of a preview. Ooh. Uh, it should be published by tomorrow. And then, yeah, so we'll see when this episode may come out a little bit later than we intend just because of technology and our schedules and whatnot. Yes. So if this is a double release next Wednesday, so be it. And be looking for our pod on Wednesdays going forward. Yes, absolutely. Super hyped. Uh, my final thought is it has been really, really nice to know you and work with you, Brady. And, uh, I, I hope that your passing is, uh, gentle and that you are surrounded by people that care about you. I don't have the plague. We remember. Okay. Uh, Dave, send we are me holding that. a candlelight <laughs> vigil for Brady tomorrow night. I don't know if he'll still be alive for it. I, I will be fine. Send me that double check in, Dave. Uh, you can look for an email from windycitywingers.info at gmail.com with the details of that. And if you could reply to that with any feedback that you have regarding the podcast, that would be absolutely wonderful. 
That is the Brady. best way to contact us. Honestly, we were more mm-hmm. likely to respond to an email than to any other social media. So, and we are more than happy Send to do a mailbag. That'd be fun. Mailbag. Absolutely. Mailbag. Ooh, that would be very fun. I like that idea. So send them in. Send in requests, information you have, anything. Brady, people want to reach out uh, before your impending doom and talk to you about stats. Where can they reach you? I am on Twitter at at stat underscore bro. And Dave, where are you on them socials? I am WCW Dave at Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Lovely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. Again, apologies for the late release this week. I know you are all waiting anxiously. We will be back My on bad. schedule next week. We <laughs> promise you. Until then, take care. Keep calm. Keep soccering. And send me that double chick. <laughs> <laughs>